Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 163. I had a specific discussion topic in mind that I wanted to do, and I had it all ready to go, but I'm like, let's save that for next week with the release of Uncharted. Then we'll do a tie-in, and we'll kind of revisit our very first ever podcast topic for those of you that have been with us that long. We're gonna... I think it's time to come back to the table on that because there's things currently happening and things that will be happening in the world of video game to movie or TV adaptations that I think have kind of shifted. But we'll talk about that next week. This week, we're just going to have fun and laugh at stupid stuff because that's what we excel at here. Um, We've talked about our favorite comedies, but this week we're going to talk specifically about our favorite funny moments, whether it's individual jokes, lines, scenes, just specific moments from movies that will always make us laugh. Some of these movies that we're going to talk about today, I don't even like the movie as a whole, but there's specific parts (laughs) that I always get out of it that I enjoy. So we're going to have fun with that because sometimes you just need a fun night, and that's what we're going to do. Josh... How you doing tonight on this fun night? It's fun night. Uh, I'm chilling, bro. It's a. Uh, it's definitely been a couple of days. Um, I won't get into it. Car stuff has been interesting. Still, this past couple of days. Um, I'll I'll tell you about it off pod. But yeah, uh, it's it's gonna be very interesting, very quick. Uh, but um, let's see, man. I have just been working. It's been real slow this week. Uh, oh, oh, I've been playing through. <laughs> doing another playthrough through spider-man and i legitimately i've nine i'm at 95 percent on the game i and the only way to get to the rest of the five is to go through and hundred and like three star all of the taskmaster stuff oh. and it's, i'm just like you know what i already beat taskmaster i don't even need to deal i'm i'm just gonna go to the dlc so <laughs> i can deal with that so what difficulty are you playing it on Okay, well, we're not going to talk about that, but that doesn't matter because because uh, it's just literally just like easy or whatever. It's like easy or medium or something like that. I I, I came for the enjoyable friendly neighborhood Spider Man friendly neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's friendly neighborhood, the amazing, spectacular, and sensational. I think I don't remember. I might go back through and replay at a higher difficulty, but like I just I was on this playthrough, and for those who don't don't know, I was go- after no way home came out i was like i feel like playing some spider-man and then i was like Yo, hey marvel spider-man is a video game i can go play that and then i got in and realized at some point i had deleted or lost my save file so i was like well i guess we'll we're playing oh, through oh, yeah i was wondering if oh. you're doing that or new game plus so that oh, answers dude. that question <laughs> technically i would be doing new game plus <laughs> i will say dude the the climax of the story like i know what's coming and it's i still cried like god that's dude, the brilliance of that game so i think good. is you know it's you know since it's doc ock how things are gonna go but you're still yes. like not ready for them to go down that route they do such a good job with doc ock i'm just oh i love that game so so dude. much because I, I basically did um from the raft breakout all the way to the end in one sitting so like that's when it's like it amps up story-wise and it's just god dude like when uh he when he's like wait you knew you knew like i'm spider-man and i was like oh no and i was like i was tearing up a little bit i was like ah this is really really intense oh my gosh 
And then the Aunt May scene comes. And I See, was the like, Aunt May scene will always get no! me. That's the worst, oh, I think. Dude, I I was doing okay. I was like, yeah, this is an emotionally heavy moment. And I just, every single time, take your mask off. I want to see my nephew. And I was like, oh, no. I wasn't ready for this. And I knew it was coming. It's very, it's just a, such a well done game. And I I could I could rave about it. I'll, I'll, I'm going to play through the dlcs and then i plan on getting miles and playing through that however um uh the new horizon zero dawn co- game comes out here like, so say, it doesn't come out like the day yeah. uncharted comes out for normies yes so i may or may not be playing miles i don't know we'll see it kind of depends on stuff <laughs> it's only 70 dollars to pre-order whatever Jeez. um yeah, yeah. I've been Oof. just going through Uncharted 4 still. I haven't played it in a few days to get caught up, but I'm like, without giving too much away, because I still want you to play it, um, I'm more or less in the final location of where things will happen, but that's a good chunk of time, so I've got like maybe 40% of the game left, mm-hmm. and it's just... Dude, it's just such a big leap from 3 to 4, both in terms of storytelling but also just gameplay is so much better because there'll be so many times in the first three they'll be like, all right, roll the cover. No, that's not where I... That's not <laughs> what I told you. the cover! Did you not hear me? Either that or he rolls off a cliff or just rolls yep. directly into a shotgun. I'm just going, you're an idiot. But like the fourth one of the f- controls are just so fluid and the story is just so, so good. And next week, man, oh, finally it's coming. Um, but it's not a news topic that we'll go fully into, into because it's there's not much to it. Just a friendly reminder for Josh and those of you listening at home. Uh, February 10th, so this week, this Thursday, the Batman tickets go on sale. Some tickets are on sale already for the first. They're doing like an IMAX fan event. Um, one, I tried, but almost all the good seats are taken up in the theater near me. Neat, quote unquote near me and two it was twenty dollars per ticket i'm going um what i felt yeah. bad buying uncharted tickets for 15 at my big screen near me um but if you want guys are wanting to get your the batman tickets which i'm sure some of you are i will be getting mine i don't know if i have to stay up till midnight like i had to do with spider-man or whatnot but I'd imagine the Batman tickets are yeah. going to go fast. So just a friendly reminder out there, if you want the Batman tickets, be ready Thursday. I might I might end up just seeing that at my little mom and pop theater first, just to see it. And then I'll go, like, wait, then I can, that way I'm like, I, I, can, I don't have to worry about spoilers and stuff like that. And I can just go and chill for a week and then go see it at, like, IMAX a few weeks later. Spoilers, you know, like, how the Court of Owls will actually be the real, the villains. <laughs> You're uh, hoping, man. You're hoping. Considering there's been, like, no Court of Owls hints whatsoever in the marketing. But yeah. I refuse to let that go. <laughs> but see, like, they're hiding so much. Oh, so yeah, it's a three-hour movie. They have to hide some stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, are you watching anything this week, or are you just chilling? Uh, I've just been super, super busy with stuff, so I have not really been watching a whole lot. Um, if anything, I've just played a little bit of Uncharted 4, but even then, I haven't played a whole lot. It's just been super, super busy with stuff. Uh, have you been watching anything this week? <laughs> no. Not at all. <laughs> a lot of YouTube. Um, oh, I yeah. am. Yeah. I'm. I'm halfway through uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, um, the book, obviously. 
and I texted you a little bit, but like, I'm hoping, and you know, the book people who've, uh, it, it's been definitely like a weird experience of like reading the books and knowing where we're going uh, because of the movies, but not sure what, how much detail I'm missing. Um, but God, too, I just, I hate Snape already. But, like, he is insufferable in Prisoner of Azkaban. And, like, I get... Oh, wait till you get to Umbridge in book five. Oh, I'm sure I'm going to hate it even more. But, like, I there's, like, a part of me that's, like, I get it on one hand. You know, because Lupin, both Lupin and, and Black kind of represent that crew that, you know, tormented him, blah, blah, blah. But I'm sure I'll hear about that more later on. In book in, five, uh, actually. In, in book <laughs> five. So, then that's fine. But, like... Even like he's a terrible person to like Neville and Hermione. Like I would be okay like if it was only directed at Harry. Not really, but like that would make sense. But like the way that he treats Neville, the way that he treats Hermione and Ron, it's just like, dude, I, I don't feel any sympathy for you, and I don't think I ever will. Ugh, I just. I don't get the Snape love. And I never, I, and that's, that was one of my hopes in reading the book. The books would, would be to understand where people are coming from when they're like, no, no, it's really a redemption story. No, no, he's obsessed with Lily. And he pretends like that gives him qualms to treat Harry the way it's, mm, no, no, no. Well, I like it. Snape. I kind of, I, I agree with you of if Snape existed in our real world, he would absolutely wear a fedora and call Lily Milady. Like that's. Yes. Oh my gosh. Total neckbeard. Total neckbeard. I can't. Okay. Let's, uh, let's get into the news. Cause I, I just like, I get, I, I haven't really gotten the chance to talk to anybody. About it, so I'm just going to get super heated, super fast. <laughs> So the only thing Josh dislikes more than Severus Snape and Harry Potter is the Academy Awards. Not just like this year, but just in general. That's the thing Josh doesn't like. However, I feel like <laughs> this year, I'm at least more cognizant and aware of a lot of these movies, but not all of them. There's quite a few names that have come out today with the Oscars official nominations list. I'm going, that makes sense what are you so we're gonna kind of go through the big ones here we'll talk about some of them um some of the big surprises some of our guesses and some of the snubs because you don't hear this very often but you hear it a lot from us where the heck is Nicolas cage come on man pig pig genuinely deserves some awards consideration all right but i have the list in front of us so for best picture this year the nominees are again remember the academy awards has 10 for best picture belfast coda don't look up drive my car which is the one i had never heard of uh dune king richard licorice pizza nightmare alley the power of the dog and west side story i know a lot of people are just like eh. That's going to be the Academy Awards every year. As a whole, I'm familiar with nine out of the ten of these movies. The only one I have never heard of is Drive My Car. Um, there's a couple of these movies that I'm going to make sure I see. I had wanted to see King Richard, but right as I was about to get around to seeing it on HBO Max, it got pulled. Um, I believe Nightmare Alley is on HBO Max now, so I'll check that out. Um, the Power of the Dogs on Netflix, I'll check that out. But I've heard really good things about both Coda and West Side Story. If there's one big omission here of, like, swap it for something else, absolutely take out Don't Look Up. Like, 
I'm not the oh, biggest. Yeah. I'm like, not the biggest Adam McKay fan. Like the Big Short was okay, but no. I hated Vice. Like yeah. I don't mind politics in movies, but when that's the whole driving force that you don't really tell a good movie, like Vice, I get it. You don't like Dick Cheney, but is there more to that to this movie than just that? So take out Don't Look Up and put Tick Tick Boom in. Like. You have Tick Tick yeah, Boom nominated that... for a couple other things, but yeah, not that Best Picture? Mm. Like, come on now. There's a lot of, like, and that's the thing is, and I, in a way, I kind of want to be like, well, I get it. You know, there wasn't a lot to choose from, but there really is the more you sit down and look at it. I mean, Licorice Pizza only recently came out, and I've only heard of it through radio ads, and like, I've wanted to go see it only because i i love bradley cooper and i've loved seeing him in things um never heard of power of the dog heard of nightmare alley but have not really that's bradley had... cooper yeah fair what well, dang bradley cooper in twice okay chill buddy um but like I, I i i will say this every year i feel like the oscars is pointless because you're not really looking at all movies. You're just looking at the quote unquote, like really artsy stuff. Like Dune is really weird that it's on this list because Dune it's like, has a lot of awards consideration. And I think that's because yeah. it's Denny, Vill Denny Villeneuve who the Academy already liked ahead of time. Yeah. But like, it's hardcore sci-fi, like really hardcore sci-fi and sci-fi is rarely to so that kind of sci-fi is rarely on this list. It, I just, I don't know, dude. It's, I hate awards shows. I just hate them. <laughs> so, then we have Best Director. So, we got Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. So, again, Licorice Pizza making its name. Uh, Kenneth Branagh, awesome, uh, for Belfast. Once again, I'll still say Kenneth Branagh's first Thor movie is one of the most underrated mm -hmm. movies in the MCU. I love the first Thor movie, and you can never convince me otherwise. Uh, I really enjoy Kenneth Branagh. Uh, I don't know where I can find Belfast, but I wouldn't be surprised if a whole bunch of these find their way either back in theaters or find some way of streaming before the Academy Awards come out, because that's one I'm hearing a lot of talk about. Uh, you got Jane Campion. Campion? I believe that's how I'm pronouncing it, for The Power of the Dog. Yuseki? Uh, Ryu? I you. Ryusuke? I'll go with that one. That one sounds better. Uh, Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. Again, Never heard of Drive My Car leading into this. And Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Now, I had heard a lot of good things about West Side Story leading into this, but I can't help but think in the back of my mind a part of this is, oh, Spielberg did a movie this year? Well, yeah. guess we got to nominate him. Because I feel like he got nominated for that one Tom Hanks movie that only Dad saw. Uh, Bridge of Spies. Uh, Bridge oh, of Spies. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, <laughs> I was thinking Captain Phillips, but there's that one. Yeah, there's that one. I don't yeah, think yeah. that was... Steven Spielberg, no, it wasn't. but like it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, War Horse, not great, but I think he got nominated for that. Yeah. So yeah, no, that is this is not a good movie. It's, no, War Horse, mm. more like if you own this horse, you are dead, basically. Yeah. like I don't. Ugh. War Horse kind of sucked. Um, then we have Best Actress, yeah, Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman again. Olivia Coleman's been nominated th um, like three of the past four years. It's insane. Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers. Okay, now my front runner pick for this category, Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos. 
Um, Being the Ricardos also probably should have gotten Best Picture over Don't Look Up. Being the Ricardos is fantastic. Uh, It's on Amazon Prime for those that have it. It's very much Aaron Sorkin. But it's really, really good. It basically follows Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball during one week of filming a I Love Lucy episode, except it's the most basically like the worst week of their life of Desi Arnaz is accused of cheating on Lucy and Lucy's accused of being a communist. And these are all things that happen like in real life. Oh, yeah. And uh, she she's doesn't she get pregnant or something? I haven't seen yes. it, but I've seen, yes. I've seen some scenes from it. And it's I was yes. Like, and oh, she finds out she's pregnant, this. too. Yeah, uh, I need to see. And with that being said, also, I, I also have been itching and we both know the only reason I haven't watched it is I need to see the tragedy of Macbeth with Denzel Washington. I have heard fantastic things. About well, there's a lot of people that haven't seen it because not a lot of people have Apple TV plus. No, but yeah, like that's mm, I want to see so Coda. Bad. I might sign up for a trial just to get Coda, but oh, there's so much cool stuff. And then lastly, for best actress, something that just actually really makes my heart happy Kristen stewart for spencer this just makes me happy because Kristen stewart like robert pattinson has been putting in the work to improve as an actress and being really selective with the projects that she's in and doing well minus charlie's angels and doing a really good job in them and i hope this really gets her out of that twilight shadow that film fans have not had her in a while but the general population still will just go oh let me do my funny Kristen stewart impression on a late night tv show and pretend that Kristen stewart's not a good actress like she is a great actress and i'm glad that she's getting nominated for something uh now for best actor you got javier bardem for being the ricardos that one actually surprised me a little bit i think he's good in it but not the best we've seen for Harvey Arbardem, Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog. Not surprised there. And the one that I needed to see happen, Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom. Y'all, I don't think Andrew Garfield's going to win for this, but he needs to. He is so, so good in Tick, Tick, Boom. And the fact that he had no singing experience prior to this movie, but absolutely crushes it, is just amazing. But the problem is, this category is so stacked already that I could genuinely see anyone winning this, except for maybe Javier Bardem. I think he's the long shot here. Because we also have Will Smith for King Richard, which, as soon as King Richard came out, people are going, oh, awards talk for Will Smith for the first time in a very long time. Then, as Josh mentioned, we also have Denzel Washington for the tragedy of Macbeth. I'm going... It's Denzel. Denzel yeah. doesn't know how to half-ass anything. Like, Nope. The, the <laughs> Not thing at all. is, has anyone seen The Tragedy of Macbeth? Because it's Apple TV+. Plus. And again, like... I, who has Apple TV+. Plus? I want to see these things. I might sign up, like, if they have a week trial, I'll just binge The Tragedy of Macbeth, Coda, and Ted Lasso. Because everyone keeps talking about how great Ted Lasso oh, is. Oh, dude. I've heard endless things about Ted Lasso. I, yeah... It's really frustrating because I really want to see, yeah, like Coda. I want to see Tragedy of Macbeth. It, but it's, yeah, who does it? Can somebody tell me? Does it come free with getting an iPhone? Like, yes. is that a thing? Yes. Oh my gosh. That's of course annoying. it does. Um, so then also, we're, we're not going to cover all the categories, obviously, but uh, best costume design, Cruella. Of course, okay. it has to. Like, it's one of the few good things about Cruella. Like, I didn't hate Cruella, but uh, Cruella, Cyrano, Dune. Thank God. Dune's costume design is outstanding. Uh, Nightmare yeah. Alley and West Side Story. All those make a lot of sense. The Academy loves those period pieces. Uh, if I had to guess, 
Dune or West Side Story, probably for that. Um, best, I can see that. Best sound is kind of odd. Some of them make sense. Others I'm confused about. Uh, for best sound, we have Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Now, this isn't soundtrack or anything. This is sound, like sound editing, sound design. I'm going, Dune? Sure. No Time to Die? Really? That just feels yeah. like kind of like a, a handout. Like, a, well, here you go. West Side Story? Obviously, it's a musical. That just makes sense. Uh, best original score? If it was up to me, it'd go to Pig, but Pig is not nominated, which is a shame because Pig, <laughs> Pig genuinely has one of the most beautiful soundtracks I've heard in a while. It's very Moneyball-esque, a very minimalist. Uh, we have Don't Look Up. Again, why does Don't Look Up keep popping up in things? Yeah, Dune, Encanto, because you can't escape it. Parallel Mothers and the Power of the Dog. Okay. Um, go down to Best Film Editing. Again, Don't Look Up. Dune. I like the editing a lot in Dune. Mm -hmm. uh, King Richard, Power of the Dog. Tick, tick, boom. It won't, but tick, tick, boom should win for editing. I There's a lot of choices that Lin-Manuel makes as a director in Tick, Tick, Boom that I really, really liked and appreciated editing on the daily basis for my own job that I'm going, ooh, I like how you're visually telling your story here. I don't think Tick, Tick, Boom will win it, but I would like it if it did. Now, here's there's always a couple, like, the crap is going on here. Like when the first Suicide Squad movie got nominated for hair and makeup for Killer, <laughs> for Killer Croc. For best makeup and hairstyling? Coming to America? Seriously? Like the rest of these, I can make, <laughs> I can understand. Corella, sure. Dune, sure. The Eyes of Tammy Faye, actually pretty impressive. House of Gucci, sure. There's a whole bunch of memes about how bad Jared Leto looks. But coming to America? Okay, now. But lastly... The ones of the categories we'll talk about just because I know it'll make Josh very happy. Best animated feature. Mm -hmm. This will be interesting. Encanto, Flea, Luca, Ryan the Last Dragon, and who I think should win it, but probably won't because it's not a Pixar movie. The Mitchells versus the Machines, mm. which is honestly the, one of the best animated movies of last year. But it's going up against both Encanto and... Ryan, The Last Dragon, and Luca, and the Academy just loves blindly voting for Disney, as we've seen. So, also, I have a bone to pick with the Mitchells versus the Machines. Whoever the marketing department is sucks. Like, yep. what was the original name of the movie? Do you remember? It wasn't um, Mitchells versus the Machines. Oh, jeez. I have. I don't remember. I'll Google it here. Um, but it was like... because yeah, it, it changed. It changed. Uh, it changed it's like plugged in point. or something like that. Mitchell's but yeah, it's oh, like the marketing sucked for it. Best cinematography: we have Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Again, I would love it for to go to Dune, but I don't think it will. Uh, and your obligatory "Let's try and please the mass audiences" category: best visual effects: Dune, Free Guy, No Time to Die, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and Spider Man: No Way Home. That better go to Dune. Like, dude, yeah. As much as I think Free Guy has some really impressive visuals, Dune is on a whole other level. Like, there's so many times in that that it does not look like CG. It just looks like very impressive effects. Well, and just like the way that scientifically it looks, it it's just so ah, uh, 
I just, the shot that stands out to me uh, is when they're bombing the ships and it like you see the bomb goes slowly through the shield and then explodes and the explosion stays within the shield. Oh, dude, it's so cool. Just so, like visually in like Spider-Man No Way Home is cool. Shang-Chi versus the Ten, Ten Rings. There's a lot of really good special effects, visual effects in both of those. But to be fair, there's also a lot of bad special effects yeah. in both of them. Shang-Chi, I love you, buddy, but those dragons in the end. Yes. Was that and really like, your best day at the office? And like no time to die. Why is yeah. that just cut? Are, are, what are, is this a, a James Bond movie? So we're like, it better be on here. Um, it's the last one. Give it something. I guess quote unquote last one. Uh, um, no, well, for Craig, it is. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, the original name for Mitchell's versus the machines was connected. That's it. Which is a terrible name. Yes, absolutely. It gives, gives away the story too much, too much. Kind of. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of like really interesting. I just, the more and more we dive into it and maybe it's because I I'm such, I'm still on that mainstream kind of level of, of, of film and cinema there's a lot of stuff that i have not had the opportunity to, to see n- nor has it been marketed in a place in which i can see it uh so let like it having stuff like like the tragedy of Macbeth in a place where unless you got apple tv you ain't gonna see it but then again i guess you could say the same things about stuff that's on netflix or stuff that's on hbo Max, yeah power almost, of the dog or whatever yeah, else i mean but like stuff almost everybody has netflix these days almost everybody almost i'm not gonna make a generalization and say that everybody has it but like it's just i don't know it, it's it's i've always hated oscars because it has nothing i feel like the work that people put into movies doesn't actually like give them awards it's how much have you pandered to the bull the, the that is exactly board. what it is so it is what it is so you said not everyone has apple tv plus well in a desperate attempt to try and make sure that people had hbo max hbo max you know just decided to go and burn every possible bridge that they had and another one is coming back to bite them in the butt yes bridges can bite now and that is um <laughs> Village Roadshow, the co-financers and the people that help create the Matrix Resurrection, the new Matrix reboot, are currently suing Warner Brothers for damages and lost revenue because they are claiming that due to HBO Max's day and date release of Matrix Resurrection both in theaters and on the streaming platform, it made them miss a lot of their potential revenue, which I'm just going, you know what made you miss a lot of your revenue even more? Having this movie come out so freaking late compared to Matrix Res uh Resur- uh Reloaded. Reloaded. No, Reload is the sequel. See the sequels don't Matrix matter. Matrix Res Something R. Um and something R. Well, I don't want to say like Matrix Rebooted, which which probably actually would have been a better name for this, but I think part of the reason Matrix flopped and I, I will call Matrix a flop. That's it. I will say part of the reason Matrix flops, and I will call it a flop, is you waited too long. Two, I don't think there was as much of a demand for it as Warner Bros. was expecting. Three, you only got one of the Wachowski siblings back. And even then, the Wachowskis were already on shaky ground after movies like Mm -hmm. Jupiter Ascending and Cloud Atlas. And 
the last point is you were completely right to sue here, Village Roadshow, because, yeah, streaming absolutely hurt it. I have never been a fan of Jason Klar. He's the guy currently running Warner Brothers uh, that more or less blindsided everyone and said that we're, they're going to do the day and date with HBO Max release. So I'm hoping with David Zaslav taking over with the Warner Discovery merger that Jason Kalar hits the road because he did so many stupid mistakes and burned so many bridges. They have every right to do this. Now, I was kind of surprised that they didn't do this earlier, but at the same time, it makes sense. I think they wanted to see how much they could actually make it the box office of like okay maybe it won't have an impact like black widow still did okay but that was clearly hurt too and we saw legal action being taken there uh whereas other things like oh what was something halloween kills halloween kills aired day and date but still did well at the box office there could be a lot of factors to that but i think number one factor that peacock's release didn't hurt halloween kills is a lack of subscribers on Peacock. Like, mm -hmm. Peacock is a good service, but it's definitely doesn't have the numbers that it would actually draw away a box office. Um, this is just another embarrassing look for Warner Brothers of, like, how? How do you piss off this many people? Like, it's also funny to me of... This was the last movie to come out on that day and date release schedule for 2021 for Warner Brothers. So they're just like, all right, guys, half of our body's on fire, but we made it past the finish line. And then Matrix just taps him on the shoulder. You forgot one and just punches him in the face type of thing of like lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit yeah. of how, how do you not consult with any of your partners whatsoever that you're making this? It would be like... If Josh and I decided to monetize the podcast one day and overnight it makes tens of thousands of dollars, but I never told Josh about it. Like it, you don't just cut out your partners that are more or less doing most of the work here. Well, hold on, hold on. I know, I know. Let, let's be clear on one thing. I do not do a, a, a fraction of the work. True. Unfortunately, unfortunately. But I, 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 it'd be. Let's flip it. It'd be like if I monetized the podcast and I made a ton of money off of all your work and just didn't oh, yeah. say anything. I would absolutely have legal ground for that. Absolutely, but like, and I, I think that what the the easy argument here, of course, is to be like well just make a better movie and it won't flop that's not our problem the you suicide know, squad was great and that flopped yes but so so like because like they only made 37 million and in, in the u.s and they only made 150 million worldwide so it's like mm, that's and especially on a movie whose budget was like 190 million like that's not that's not making that's barely that's not making your money back i can do math i promise um <laughs> but like it just there it's when it came to like movies like black widow too it was okay no 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 that was not in the in the contract in which we signed to make our movie with you that was not you can't just flip the script on us and be like oh yeah but you're still gonna get paid and i hear everybody being like yeah they still got paid millions of dollars I'm like yes 
But that's not the problem here. The problem is broken contracts. It's it's hey, wait, no, you can't really do that. It's it's overworking people in order to make certain deadlines, but then not paying them enough money because uh, oh well, they went to streaming, so it's not our problem. I just I think to me, could you imagine? If somebody had had the balls to do something like this when Treasure Planet came out and they were like, hey, man, no, Disney, you intentionally didn't market our, market our movie oh. uh, so we can sue you for for damages. Like, whoa, like, I, I think to me, this is a, a new wave in a wave I appreciate of creators keeping studios accountable and that like hey yo um just because i'm making a movie for you doesn't mean you get to be like all right cool i'm gonna market it however i want and if i want it to do well i'll market it well and if i don't want it to do well i'll not market it at all like john carter like atlantis like i just you know there's this list of movies and obviously i'm i'm throwing a lot of shade at disney on this but it's I think it Warner has did it so blatantly here in that like, yeah, cool. So we're just going to resolve these movies on streaming as well. Same day. It's like, um, like you said, like you, you're not going to talk to your partners at all on this. You're not going to like, you're just going to do it. Oh, okay, cool. I, I see. I think cool, you and cool, I cool, even cool, talked cool, about, cool, cool. you know, I see no way that this could come back at bite that. No way. <laughs> it's, the, it's the dog meme. This is fine. Like this is fine. It's just funny to me that like movie after movie um, has basically come back and sued Warner Brothers like legendary had sued after Godzilla vs. Kong, even though that actually over delivered, I think, at the box office for what um, the uphill yeah. battle that it had of not as good movies leading up to it and having the streaming issue. Uh, and I would not be surprised at all. If the reason why James Gunn didn't get super mad at HBO Max is he already had a whole bunch of shows in development, which y'all, I know Peacemaker may not be everyone's cup of tea, but this past week's episode was so good. Oh, I need to watch. Gosh, dang it. And uh, without saying for anything to Josh, I'll say, Josh, is this week's episode of Peacemaker at the end of the episode that is actually John Cena doing the thing that you see him doing, which I think makes it actually that much more impressive and emotional. Um, but how can you be this dumb time and time again? There's also other reports of, but I will just say this as speculation. There's no actual official trade saying this at the time that we're talking about this. So if other reports come out later, we can address it then, but supposedly uh, Matrix Resurrections was supposed to come out in 2022, but they bumped this movie up so that it would fall into the 2021 movie slate so they could put it on HBO Max day and date. I'm just going somehow that's... that that feels worse. Like, yeah, that's, that's super just, sketch. I don't like how that feels to which I'm just going, oh, thank God the Batman got delayed because... I need to see the Batman on its screen and the Batman already has enough of an uphill battle. I think with fans just going, we want it to be Ben Affleck or it's Robert Pattinson and Robert Pattinson isn't a good actor because I don't watch enough movies to know that he's a 
brilliant talent. Also, Josh, I need to send you the video after this, but you know those, like, um, I think it's, like, Wired does them. Wired or Vanity Fair, one of those of, like, career retrospectives. Mm -hmm. uh, Robert Pattinson just did one of those. And yes. he, he's such a fascinating interview. The dude is a little weird, and that's yeah. why he's perfect for Batman. But, he's a super weird dude. <laughs> but getting back to this, I'm just like, this potentially could have been a franchise killer. Now, I'm not saying there would have been a, a Matrix 5 and 6, given the reception of 4, but you never yeah. know. If it was solely box office maybe but also maybe don't open your movie around one of the highest grossing movies in history in spider-man no way home there's a lot of factors as to why matrix failed yeah. and i'm not trying to make excuses for warner Bros. but at the same time warner Bros. did this to themselves and um village roadshow have every right to sue and i hope it doesn't just get settled out of court like the legendary lawsuit did or the black widow lawsuit like, I just, I mean, I think it will at the end of the day. Uh, to me, I, at the end of the day, Warner Brothers will just be like, okay, cool. Uh, we're sorry. Here, take all this money. Um, because in the movie industry, if you have an issue, just throw money at it and it'll fix it, right? Um, but I don't think that that their their reputation as a, as a movie com studio will uh, come out of this unscathed, to be sure. So, chalk this one up to weird news of the week. It feels like the past few weeks we've had, mm -hmm. like, weird news of the week. But this one takes the cake. But I don't hate certain parts of this nearly as much as some other people are. And that is Fifty Shades of Grey's Dakota Johnson has been cast as Madam Web in the upcoming Madam Web movie that Sony's been developing for a little bit now. Um... First of all, the positives that I will absolutely leap to defend. Dakota Johnson is a phenomenal actress. I know she kind of has the same issue of Kristen Stewart of like people only see their early work of like Kristen Stewart. Mm -hmm. You're the Twilight Girl or Chris or Dakota Johnson will always be either one of two things. Oh, hey, you're Don Johnson's kid or oh, yeah, you're the Fifty Shades Girl. No. If you've only seen her for that, then you're really missing out. Um, there's a criminally underrated movie that she's in called The Peanut Butter Falcon. She mm. is so good in that. It's such a heartwarming movie. But then she also did... Oh! Uh-oh. I see some lights going off. Yes. Well, what, was... what you got? Hit me with your tinfoil. No, like, this is this is stronger than tinfoil hat theory here. Oh. She was also in a movie called Bad Times at the El Royale with John Hamm, direct, yeah. directed by Cabin in the Woods' Drew Goddard. Drew Goddard, a few years back, was attached to direct the Sinister Six spinoff movie. Oh my gosh. You don't think that they're slowly building a Sinister Six, are you? I don't think they're doing a Sinister Six movie solo anymore i i think the plan like how this spider-man trilogy ended with spoiler alert it's more or less an origin for the true spider-man i think this trilogy this new trilogy will end with the sinister six with venom thrown in the middle 
I wouldn't be surprised if we're getting Drew Goddard back into the Sony fold, just reworked into some other projects. Now, I don't think he's doing this. Uh, I think we already have a director attached to the Madam Web project, which might be separate than the Olivia Wilde directed movie. I think that's a Spider-Woman movie. But I think it's a little too coincidental that we have some form of like six degrees of Sony connection here with Drew Goddard and Dakota Johnson having worked together in the past, which also, if y'all haven't seen it, Bad Times at the El Royale is another one that's really underrated. That's got a fantastic cast of uh, John Hamm, Dakota Johnson, Jeff Bridges, um, Chris Hemsworth. It's mm-hmm. It keeps you on your toes. She's a phenomenal actress. That being said, um... Isn't Dakota Johnson like 70 years too young for this role? Because <laughs> Madam Webb is old. But also, we've kind of been against the idea of a Madam Webb movie for a while, primarily because Madam Webb is notorious. Like her known features are she's immobile and she's not typically an active participant in stories she's a lot like the watcher in marvel's what if she's very much a passive character of she's always a very critical character just like the watcher but she's very rarely a active character she's at the center of the web of the spider-verse essentially like she's almost like an oracle type of she can see the mass the vast multiverses but very rarely interferes with it so i'm going what is the narrative here please don't tell me it's just gonna be a generic story that ends with her in some massive accident that's gonna put her up in the web life support for the rest of her life because the web that she's on the web that she's on is basically a massive life support system i'm worried that it's just gonna be a generic action movie that ends with her being in something that creates the the life support system that she's going to be on um yeah. also i didn't notice this uh until today dakota johnson might want to be a little more acclimated either to spoilers or which company she works for because when she had officially announced it on her social media uh she shared the article and then tagged both sony and marvel i'm going so one of two things Either she said something she shouldn't have, or two, just got confused and assumed that they're a working relationship. Because, to my knowledge, this is her first superhero role. So, like, maybe she doesn't know, hey, Marvel's not fully involved. Or are they? If we're getting Doctor Strange with different multiverses, maybe Dakota Johnson is Sony's answer to that in terms of this character that can see the multiverse. I do not want Madam Web to be a Doctor Strange type. No. But I do worry that Sony will look at her that way. Yeah, totally, because it's Sony. Like... <sighs> I just... Yeah. I'm very worried that they'll end up doing what you said, where the, the she's just like the secret agent or something, or, or a scientist or something, and ends up in a bad accident at the end, and and that's how she ends up seeing the multiverse in is in a life support system. I just, I think what, what you and I said, well, I don't hate the casting. I love Dakota. I think she can act her butt off and by all means bring it on. But at the same time, it's like, I'm a little confused about what we're doing here. I, 
I almost feel like, and maybe they're playing it close to the chest for a reason, but Disney and Marvel have to make it public, at least for the the fan story continuity, uh, to kind of understand the relationship. Because right now, it feels like anybody can show up anywhere. And while that's a great idea in con in concept, like it's also a little con- it's pretty confusing because at the same time, like Morbius and and Venom still have to have their own their own storyline, not attached to the main MCU. So it's like you have to be very clear, and that's why it was so confusing when she said, you know, Sony and Marvel, because we have we need that distinction it, it that distinction is very very important important um because if not i'm just confused on what we're doing here because yeah morbius can't be in the venom verse and in time in the mcu at the same time like that can't that can't that doesn't work yeah i think that's the other issues like sony's Either we don't know or Sony doesn't know because it feels like the past <laughs> few movies, whether it be Spider-Man, Venom, Morbius, or even Doctor Strange, it feels like maybe they know, but they can't tell us. But either that or they're, it's just purposely confusing. Like, we kept saying, all right, well, well, we'll get more answers for Morbius once Spider-Man No Way Home comes out. No? I'm still confused how Morbius slots in anywhere. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. they tease, well, Venom 2 leads into Spider-Man No Way Home. No, it didn't. It was like a blatant bait and switch. So it could also be like Doctor Strange introducing multiverse. And that could be a spoiler there. It, it's just felt like for the past few Marvel and Sony collaborations, it's very much just been like a a Schrodinger Spider-Man, so to speak, mm-hmm. of this universe both does and does not exist in the way that you do know it already. And I'm going, I'm very confused right now. Uh, like, mm-hmm. I still, Josh and I are both in agreement that Andrew Garfield's probably the Spider-Man of the Tom Holland Venomverse and will probably be in Morbius. But then... Tom Hardy. Yeah. Huh? You said, uh, you said Tom Holland? <laughs> uh, yes, he will be Tom Hardy's... <laughs> Tom Hardy's Jared Leto's Morbius. Uh, <laughs> but then again, if that happens, that brings up the question of, well, we saw Michael Keaton's Vulture. Please don't tell me you just filmed him for the trailers and he's not actually in the movie and it's confusing people. It just feels like maybe they have a big picture. But then again, Sony's been known to get ahead of themselves a lot. Sinister Six movie. Uh, and Aunt May movie that was originally penned at one point yes look it up that was actually a thing that was scheduled to happen at one point i i do worry that like mcu spider-man will stick around for a while despite what tom holland's wishy-washy statements are depending on the week um he'll stay in the mcu but i worry sony will go back to the uh just make it up as it goes along we'll connect it somehow but i i love the casting i really do i just question how this is going to fit in and that that can be said of any character right now craven is supposed to film soon and i still don't understand where that slots in either yeah yeah it'll be interesting i I mean i'm still like all gunning for uh andrew garfield being the the spider-man of the venomverse and i'm okay with michael keaton being vulture in that in that um universe 
I just we just need that to be clear. It just you, that this was my worry whenever they opened the Pandora's box of the multiverse is it's all fun and games until nothing makes sense. And I, I just worry as excited as I am for Dakota Johnson. I'm worried that that's we're getting in that territory, both from Marvel and Sony. Now, lastly, for news this week, it's like Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers. Just when you think it's dead, it comes back and does an Undertaker sit up just to haunt us one more time. And of course, this time I'm talking about MoviePass. However, there might be a catch to it this time around. So for those that don't know, MoviePass was the definition of if it's too good to be true, then it probably is. It was essentially a movie credit card that basically lets you watch as many movies in theaters as you wanted. And then, of course, that failed because it was too good to be true of a concept. It was $10 a month. You could see all the movies that you wanted. So basically, for the price of a movie ticket, see all the movies. Um, but that was because the original owner of MoviePass, let me look it up, um, Stacy Spikes, sold it to a company called Helio and Matheson. And Helio and Matheson is the one that just completely torpedoed it and also pissed off every theater out there because MoviePass was trying to do this thing where basically, um, sh basically ring out money from the theaters and be like, hey, if you want people to use MoviePass at your theater, you need to give us a cut of your um, concessions money. And we're going, that's that the only revenue that theaters get. And also, theaters just had a good response of going, uh, how about screw you? And we just do our own stream, our own subscription service. So mm -hmm. now you get AMC A-List, Regal, um, Crown Club, whatever the stupid Cinemark, Cinemark has one. Yeah. Cinemark's. Cinemarks will factor into what I have to say about this later because I hate Cinemarks. Because um, <laughs> Cinemarks is essentially pay $10 a month and you get a ticket a month. And I'm going, so a ticket then? Like, mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, MoviePass was not a new concept. There's other subscriptions kind of like it. But I think the popular MoviePass caused theaters to reevaluate and go, we need our own. Well, now Stacy Spikes has reacquired MoviePass and is set to announce something this coming Thursday regarding the future of MoviePass, which has led to talks that back in November when it was reacquired, and now even more so that this coming Thursday that they might be announcing some form of a rebranding of MoviePass. I don't think it's as nearly bad of an idea as you might think, and here's why. The big studio the big companies amc regal those have their own cards what if moviepass this time around is working to work with the mom and pop stores like uh i know there's a brand called lowe's which is like like the fourth or fifth chain out there like it's it's known um like a lowe's or just like um a family run theater that isn't doesn't have the capital to put forth to have their own version of a subscription service mm -hmm. i think that would be a smarter idea to do a partnership a smart legal partnership and work it that way like you're not going to be able to penetrate the market when it comes to the the big names like an amc or a regal i'm purposely leaving out cinemark because i've had issues with cinemark's movie thing for a while 
My favorite theater in town to go to is the one at Universal Studios City Walk. Um, it's a beautiful Cinemark. I took Josh there when he was here when we saw Halloween Kills. It's a great theater. Yeah. I go there all the time, but I never have gotten their pass because, as I said, it's $10 a month for a movie a month. That's not a deal. That's just a ticket. But if the same movie pass teamed up with Cinemark to kind of rework it a little bit, be like, hey, it's three movies a week or three movies, even if it was three movies a month for $10, I immediately sign up for that. I think MoviePass has a market there for the smaller theaters. Don't go after the big guys because there's no way you can make that work because I've heard nothing but good things about Real Crown Club or AMC A-List. Like, that's a smart plant. And if I live closer to an AMC or a Regal, I would take advantage of those. Josh, do you see a future for MoviePass at all or do you just want to see the car, the car crash again? <laughs> um, I think it would be really interesting because... Um, I have been looking into AMC A-List for, for a bit. I haven't pulled the trigger on it, but just like that idea of being able to pay a certain, it's almost a, it's a subscription fee to a theater. I'm going to assume, the idea, I'm going to assume you never had movie pass. I never, I never had movie pass right when I was about to pull the trigger on to, to get it. Uh, that's when it, like <laughs> it went under. So, uh, didn't get to, um, but I like that idea. And, uh, some of the articles I've been reading have been, brought in some really good points like like you said getting the smaller theaters in like um i i didn't know this but it movie pass was accepted at like alamo draft house that's awesome that's a that, smart partnership there that's, that's a good so that's a smart. good branch oh absolutely like the, the and they they get all kinds of data through like when you use all that card at all these different uh, different chains like the article i i read they were talking about how they found out that you know people preferred AMC on the weekends, but on a Wednesday, they almost exclusively went to Alamo Draft House. Why? Because there was a half beer and they could take a chance on a movie. And there's a lot of quotes that I'm reading from Spike because of like, because people paid up front, they would be more likely to take risks on titles so they that they normally wouldn't take risks on because they paid up front. They don't have to worry about, quote unquote, losing money on on a movie so you get your more artsy films are people like you know what the trailer seemed interesting enough and you know i've got three three tickets this 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 month and i've the other two are going to go to these other two movies that i'm looking forward to i see no issue while taking a, a chance on a green night or 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 uh, a licorice pizza or something like that so it, I, I just feel like you and I talk about talked. We talked last week about creativity being "quote unquote" dead, which is not the truth um, at all. But I think movies have to adapt in order to movie theaters have to adapt to bring more people in, and you have you have to give people the best opportunity to see these movies that are not mainstream in order for those movies to succeed at all. Yeah, I had Movie Pass when it was in that too good to be true phase and, and basically there was no restrictions to it like i was on the fence about getting it for a while because i was like there's no way ten dollars just to see every movie and i dropped it basically as soon as they started getting weird of like uh endless emails or limiting the movies because i remember specifically when it started to go downhill and it was around the time that the jennifer lawrence movie red sparrow came out oh, which Lord was also the same weekend i believe that mission impossible 6 came out and they're just like, you can see Mission Impossible 
in the special showing of the very first Mission Impossible. You can't see the new one. That's that's not a thing we can do for you. Like, they started showing only, like, select movies. You can only see them, like, in the middle of the day. Um, But in its peak, I did go to the theater more often because it felt like I didn't have to take the chance of, mm-hmm. well, if I don't like it, I'm out a certain amount of money. Like, I... I will always prefer going to the theater to see a movie, but sometimes I don't want to take that risk. Like, I saw Mortal Kombat at home on HBO Max. Probably not the best example because we talked about how much that was a bad idea, It and it was for marketing purposes. But with MoviePass and those subscription-type services, people will go out to the theater more often in an industry that right now desperately needs people to go back to the theater. Like we're starting to slowly recover with Spider-Man and now with Scream and hopefully with Uncharted um, doing, I'd, I'd imagine Uncharted will probably get about 30 to 35 million opening weekend, like um, decent, but nothing too big. And that's fine with me. But like in this day and age with theaters really needing some, some help, Maybe, maybe they lean on Movie Pass, which would be a really weird story to go with. Of like the person that tried to screw you over when it was under different leadership. I'll give it that, but it's a weird story of the person that tried to screw us over might now be one of the people that can actually help us get people back into theater, which just is an odd thing to think about. I want it to be a documentary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it's, what's going to be funny is that uh, this time next year when we're like, man, it's been so great to have movie pass. I could, I've seen so many movies and having a merch store in every theater has just been so great. I refuse to let that die. That's one of my greatest <laughs> ideas that I don't understand why uh, it's not implemented. It legitimately needs to be a thing. Like that... I, I'm just imagining a, uh, a universal studios le- level merch store at, at every theater that has current merch for the movies that are in right that like and even like studio merch would be super cool like i there's been i'm sorry this is such a tangent but like there's there's those a24 uh like quarter zip fleece jackets i have been wanting one for so long but like i don't want to buy one but like if it was in front of me at a store (laughs) darn you shipping yeah like like oh bro i can feel it i can put it on like come on like that's just that 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 would be really really cool i i agree though it we'll we'll have to see what happens with this going forward but i agree that this might be the opportunity to get more people into the theater and as always this week's episode is sponsored by T Public, where you can get awesome shirts like this. You can get all your Uncharted Media desires. You can get uh, shirts, hoodies, jackets, whatever you're feeling. Uh, stickers. We have five great designs to choose from. You can go with the classic symbol. You can go with us in cartoon form. Lots of great designs for you out there. So if you want to support the show, wear some Uncharted Media merch. Go check the link in the description for this episode, or just go to TeePublic and search Uncharted Media. I know the search function is a little weird at times, but just follow the link if you're looking for good merch. Now, we love comedies. We love to laugh. Mm. Mainly, we can just make ourselves laugh around here, but we're going to talk about our favorite individual moments from comedies. Not comedies as a whole, but specifically like jokes or scenes or in some cases ad lib moments that were not supposed mm-hmm. to be in the movie um i have one moment that i haven't even seen the movie but this clip always makes me laugh um i think i should start us off with the whole 
what got me thinking about this to begin with, and it's not one that you would think of off the top of your head. I don't know how this scene got in my head, but normally when you think Star Wars, you don't think funny, but one yeah, part in particular, yeah. one part in particular, even people that hate the prequels and despise the prequels, we all can come together and enjoy... You want to buy some death sticks? Uh, you want to sell me death sticks? I don't want to sell you death sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life? I want to go home and rethink my life. Like, that is that is comedy perfection. The so timing good. is so good. The actor playing the death stick dealer is so good. Ewan McGregor's timing on that, the tone. Like, we're so used to these aren't the droids you're looking for we're so used to the jedi mind trick but to use be used for comedic purposes i kind of am mad that star wars has never brought that well they kind of did in the sequel trilogy of you'll leave your weapon at the door you are like you're having a good day we're glad you're here like type of thing <laughs> but they still did it the best in arguably what i'll say is one of the worst star wars movies in attack of the clones has a scene that still to this day makes me laugh and will always make me laugh really really hard i still remember seeing it in the theaters and it felt like there was one of the like the oh everyone has a little bit of life like even the people that hate this movie are like hey death sticks <laughs> i just love how like <laughs> in star wars a world where they have guns that legitimately shoot firebolts they're like hey we got cigarettes, but we don't want to call them cigarettes anymore. What should we call them? Well, they kill you slowly. What do you, what do you want to call them? Death sticks? Yeah, death sticks sounds great. That's a great idea. Death like, sticks what? sound like a sour <laughs> kid's candy. Like, oh they gosh. sound like if Warheads met pixie sticks. That's what death sticks sounds like. And now I want them to be a thing. <laughs> Dude, death, 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 there's, and there's a lot of potential in sci-fi to do those sorts of things. Of like, oh, I see what you did there. That was great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love scenes like that because there's a uh, the um some the king of improv. Have you ever seen Caddyshack? Mm -hmm. I'm calling it way back. Um, geez, I always forget his name, but the old dude in Cat and Caddyshack that's like the rich guy that has all the all the crazy crazy stuff. Um, and the, my favorite Brit bit in Caddyshack, among the many that are in that movie. Uh, is when they get to the dance scene and he looks at he looks at the the owner's wife and he's like, "Hey, baby, you wanna you wanna make five bucks the hard way?" You know, ah, like it's God, dude. That scene in general, just seeing this guy like walk through a crowd and just improv lines with people is just God. It's so much fun. It's kind. Of, it harkens like. I know it harkens back, but it's kind of in the same kind of vein and timeline. But it's like the Chris Farley movies are just, oh, improv comedy. It's just, it's missing. It's missing. Okay. Also, um, I'll talk about my moment that's improv, but we need to put up the caveat that we didn't address at the beginning of the episode of there will only be one movie, one moment per movie. So we're not just going <laughs> to spew a whole bunch of literally everything from men in tights or what we do it's in the so shadows hard. i know it's so hard only one moment per movie um and josh to talk about improv this is one of the greatest improv lines so much so that the one of the actors actually cracked and just broke uh and it's a movie that i still haven't even seen one of the fast and the furious movies 
Fast oh, Seven. I know exactly. Yeah, I know Josh exactly knows what you're it. talking about. Because even people that haven't seen this movie know the scene mm-hmm. and why you don't mess with a professional wrestler when it comes to making fun of someone on the mic. Like, The Rock is used to verbal sparring. Tyrese Gibson is not. not. So they're having this big party in Fast 7, and Tyrese Gibson sees The Rock walking up. All right, everybody hide your baby oil. And The Rock, without missing a beat, you better hide that big-ass forehead. (laughs) And the best thing about it is you can tell it's improv because Ludacris standing next to Tyrese Gibson does a hard spit take of his soda. (laughs) Like... He's just like you, Ludacris is not that good of an actor to pull off a uh, a fake spit take. So I'm like, oh, so that was good. clearly. And also Tyrese, his soul looks like it's been shattered into a it just like leaves his body. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude! I mean, it's really fun watching that scene in retrospect, knowing that like Tyrese and and Vin Diesel have an issue with The Rock. <laughs> oh, bro, it it's the okay. The Ball Tyrese. Brothers. The ball, brothers. All of them are bald. Yeah. It's are they choice. hiring it's for you? Choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. No, All Josh. Right. Josh the... just shaved his head so he looked less like Colt Cabana. Yeah. Correct. 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 That, that's the. I, or I, MJF. I shaved my head and then grew my beard so that, that way I can never, ever again look like Colt Cabana, CM Punk, or MJF, or, uh, or MGF. Because I, I don't. Need Someday that I life. should share the MJF picture. You, you could just, you know, not do that. That would be fantastic, <laughs> you know, or or really like a side by side of me and Colt Cabana. That that would be. Let's not do that. Especially <laughs> when Josh's face gets really animated. Oh my God, we have the same face. It's not fair. Oh, he had it first, Josh. <sighs> no, well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> there is a guy in the t- do you have Texas any... scene that looks exactly like me? That's really weird. I don't. I'd never know his name because I don't want to actively look at look at him because it makes me feel uncomfortable. Do you have any other improvised moments, Josh? Um, not that. I don't have any moments that I know that they're they're mm. improvised. You know what I mean? Fair. Because like I do have the uh, a scene from Hot Fuzz. Where he like look turns and looks all looks at all the fence fences and runs towards them. You're like, oh, he's gonna hop over and just barrels head first right through. Him. <laughs> it's a good subversion of Edgar Wright tropes because he is. always jumps over the fence in his movies. Yes, correct. So I, I, but like or like some some of the scenes from Airplane, they're just almost too witty. Like there's no there's no way somebody sat down and wrote all these jokes out. Like some of them maybe, but like. The um the one that gets me an airplane all the time is uh the the Shirley the j- running joke with Shirley. It's like Shirley, there's something we can do. No, there's not. Don't call me Shirley. Like ah, or like the drink. I can no no only one only one per movie. Only one only one only one. I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one. Okay, <laughs> okay I'll okay. say the one. There's actually a one from Airplane that still makes me laugh. Also because it actually gets quoted in my office a lot at my work because one of my bosses is also a big dad joke person. And so like his one of his go-to lines and anybody is just like, what do you make of it? Well, I can make it a hat. I can make it a brooch. Oh I can make gosh. it a, a boat. Uh, I love, okay, like I, I might actually go watch it after this because like I, I have had a bad couple days. And it's I in the voodoo in 4K. Bro, I love. There's so much m- m- stuff in that movie that would not fly today. But like, 
Golly, it's so funny. I I could go. You like movies about gladiators? <laughs> you tell your dad if he had to haul uh, Bill Bill Russell's butt up the court for forty eight minutes, he'd be tired too. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and that's what I do. My I had a, started to have a drinking problem, and then just pours the cup all over himself. <laughs> I just oh it's so good he's like they're in the okay I'm sorry I know we're, we're gonna gush about these movies unfortunately we're trying airplane is like the it's, dad joke masterpiece they're in the the Amazonian rainforest selling tribes Tupperware like that I, I can't I can't handle that <laughs> Oh man. Okay, just for Josh, my next one will be for yeah, one of Josh's yeah. favorite movies of all time. Absolutely. Starring Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. <gasps> yes. Yes. Let's go. And oh. I don't think if Josh does have the nice guys that he's going to talk about today, I don't think he and I are going to have the same moment cuz mine There's so many good ones. I, I love good physical comedy, but also editing. And editing is hard to do in movies to make funny, but I have a couple good edits. And The Nice Guys has one that's good editing. It's just funny, but also it's subversion trope. Trope subversion, basically, of like you expect something to happen and it absolutely does not because it's the real world and that does not happen. So the scene in question is Ryan Gosling is trying to break into a house. And yes! so he like tries to wrap his hand, like <laughs> wraps his hand around a handkerchief. So he's going to punch out the 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 glass and unlock the door he wraps his hand in a handkerchief punches the door and his hand is immediately bleeding he cut an artery because he's just punched glass and smash cut to him in the back seat of an ambulance that treats him for blood loss because he tried to do a simple break-in and cut his hand open <laughs> I okay if you guys haven't and obviously it's a little bit more on the raunchy like more intense side of comedy with the nice guys but golly that movie's so funny um it is not my the moment I want to talk about but like the when when the first time that Russell Crowe and and Ryan Gosling meet uh, in the movie <laughs> when Russell Crowe has to go intimidate him and he's like when you get to the doctor just tell him it's a it's a torn rope blah, blah, blah. he's like what no 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 boom and he's like this man Ryan Gosling who is like one of the most manly dudes like in movies that we've ever seen squeals like a little girl and it is the funniest thing but I think my favorite scene that I still laugh to laugh at from that film is when they're getting rid of the body. I accidentally dump it into a, a wedding reception and it like makes stuff go everywhere. And they're like, uh, uh, and they just run like, oh, dude, it's so great. <laughs> oh, man. If you haven't seen the nice, nice guys, that'll, that's, that's a good time. Uh, I also, for some reason, I was trying to think of any good scene from Tucker and Dale versus Evil because anytime we can talk about comedies mm -hmm. we need to talk about it but i can't think of one particular moment that stands out because the whole movie is just the definition of horror comedy perfection like yeah tucker and dale is just fantastic maybe uh it'll be like if you like her go over there and talk to her he has a little scythe so y'all going camping <laughs> <laughs> like that will always get me Oh, um, man. he's just standing there I, I eating love... pickled eggs, which apparently made the actor sick. I, or, I think one of my favorite is, is or is we have he... your friend. They scroll. We are, yes! we have your friend in the log. 
Like, bro, what are you doing? Or like, I don't know, officer. He just ran and jumped into the wood chipper. It was crazy. We have had <laughs> one doozy of a day. Oh, man. That, that's a great movie. Great, great, like, uh, trope subversion and everything. Uh, I thought stuff. Josh's favorite part was when the kid jumps into wood chipper. <laughs> it's just... It's funny because, like, I have always, like, seen wood chippers and been like, those are hugely dangerous. There's no way that doesn't, there's nothing that goes wrong. Like, come on. Ugh. All right, what do you got next? Um, let's, I, I, I got to bring up the, the opening scene. I, I don't know. Have you ever seen Super Troopers? Yes. Yes. Dude, okay. Where they haze the college kids. <laughs> yes. I quote that scene all the time like these schnozberries taste like schnozberries which yes i understand is from harry is from uh, willy wonka but like also but but then he's like he throws them all they shoot the gun a couple times and then got and he jumps in he goes you boys like mexico and they peel off and it's easily like that moment is very tied with the 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 meow scene where they tried to get him to say meow and ten times under in a traffic stop. What's your favorite like moment? Is... Say it right meow. <laughs> oh, like uh, it. That is one of the movies. Super Trooper is one of those movies that I definitely don't recommend for everybody. But it is easily one of those movies that lives in my head rent free. Of like, hey, far <laughs> nobody should nobody say shenanigans. I will pistol whip the next person to say shenanigans. Hey, Farva, what's that restaurant you like with all the weird stuff on the wall? Shenanigans. Oh, shenanigans. <laughs> Bam, what did I do? There will be a stuff. day. There will be a day that Farva just breaks and goes full metal jacket on everyone. <laughs> Oh gosh! Apparently, the, like the guys that did that have a show right now where they're all like firefighters, and I've, I've seen scenes, and it's very, very funny. It's very Super Troopers. So Josh brought up uh, Super Troopers with cops. I'll talk about one with undercover agents, and it was one of the first times that I can remember that I cried from laughing so hard, and I realized that Channing Tatum is a talented actor. And that is 22 Jump Street. Oh, dude. The captain's daughter scene. Okay. If people have seen 22 Jump Street, you know what we're talking about. That a couple scenes earlier, Joan Hill's just like, you know what? I hooked up with somebody on campus. And the chief's just like, heck yeah, man. You're kind of awkward, but good for you. We find out very quickly that that girl is the chief's daughter. And Channing Tatum does not know this. And so Jonah Hill is strapping in a bulletproof vest in HQ with Ice Cube with a gun in his hand on the desk, just staring down Jonah Hill. And Channing Tatum's just like, what the F is going on? I'm not going to pretend like there's not some big F and elephant in the room. What is happening? Ice Cube flips around a picture of his daughter, and it takes Channing Tatum a full five to ten seconds looking back, looking at the picture, looking back, and no joke, <laughs> an oven timer sound goes off. Oh, man! Oh, man! You hooked uh, up with Captain's daughter. He starts running around the office the whole time. Ice Cube is making dead eye contact with Jonah Hill. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He doesn't know. He doesn't Schmidt, know, sir. Please stop. No, Schmidt no. hooked up with Captain's daughter. Oh, you are so uh, dead. You are so dead. And he sits back oh, down. It's really not that funny. <laughs> I, like, And that's like, that's tough, too, because that is definitely my favorite moment 
of the two. But like the first 21 Jump Street was so funny as well. Like there's so much good comedy in that. Um, but gosh, like even like even if you were just like to n- not even that moment, but the moment where they have to sit where Jonah Hill and Ice Cube have to sit across the table from each other when and he's like, oh. Oh, like, yeah, oh, Doug. Like, yeah, Doug. Yeah, Doug. How's your classes, Doug? Like, <laughs> I was like, hey, have y'all heard about that weather? That weather is great. Like, dude, I I don't get why Jonah Hill gets so much crap. That man is absolutely hilarious. I love him so much. Hey, God, it's me, Jonah Hill from Moneyball. <laughs> Oh man, uh, it's so good. I just and like seeing Jonah Hill look like Slim Shady is also just peak. Ah, uh, it's so funny. It's not on my list today, but honorable mention for Twenty One Jump Street when they accidentally take the drugs. Dude, yeah, I'm not even accidentally. They well, oh they yeah, did, they, they have take, to. Yeah. They have to take the drugs to not, not yeah. be found out. And Jonah Hill is on the track. It just yeets the baton, and then Channing Tatum has the symbols, and he's just like An interpretive dance. <laughs> it's so great. Out. And then it's they rob, so run into Rob Riggle, and she's like, "What? What are you doing with your tongue, man? Put your tongue back in your mouth." <laughs> like moves it with his <laughs> and then Channing Tatum's tongue is going out, and he's like, "I like that. I like what you're doing. That's nice." That's and then nice. they see Rob Riggle. And Rob Riggle's head is an ice cream cone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good stuff, man. Let's keep it going with the like the old school train here. Uh, 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 you have have do you have anything from Zoolander on your list? Uh, I thought about it because uh, I like Zoolander, but I can't think of one moment that I put above everything else. You know what? You you just seem like you've had a bad day. You know what would cheer you up? It's an orange mocha frappuccino. I, I absolutely the gas fight is I was easily say, one gas of the fight's funniest probably my favorite. Thing. Funniest, I mean, out, right up there with uh, Hansel somehow pulling his underwear out of his pants while he's wearing it. He's <laughs> like, so hot and, right now. Oh, he's so hot right now. And he comes up with a like a razor scooter. I can't. I never. I can. I still can't get over that. That cracks me up so much. Or like, um, this is way too small. It has to be a. At least five times this big. What is this? The school for ants? School for ants. Oh, dude. Okay. Good stuff. So the the um the uh gasoline fight always mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of in terms of just like they can't be this dumb, can they? Oh, they <laughs> are that dumb. Uh, is it kind of reminds me of the other guys? Aim for the bushes. Yes. Aim for the bushes. I have and then that. They I jump, have that. <laughs> jump off the ledge, and the whole time you're like. Where are the bushes? Where are the bushes? Oh, that's the ground. They're dead. Well, really, where are the bushes? And then they smash cut to Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell standing next to each other. There wasn't even an awning. Like, what were they doing? Like, oh man, I've seen. I, I had, there's a couple scenes I could think of when it, with the other guys, but aim for the bushes. It's just like, and partly because it isn't in like the fourth, first fourth of fourth of the film. Well, that was hard to think. Um. It's just so stinking funny. I can't like, and the fact that it's because it's it's uh, it's Samuel Jackson and The Rock, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like you're like they're there's not they're not gonna so, kill off those guys. No, no, no. They paid a lot of money for them. There's no way. There's no way. Okay, uh, I just added one to my list just because I forgot about it. But it, and it's really really stupid. But sometimes I like stupid and will always laugh at a good fart joke. And for me. 
one that always makes me crack up because apparently I'm 12 um, is Nacho Libre when, yes! when he's told to climb the cliffside to drink from the eagle's egg he drinks from the eagle's egg and it's just like pouring down his face he's just like I can fly with the eagles he spreads his arms out as he's like jumping up a cliff it shouldn't be funny to me but that will always make me die laughing because it's a well-placed fart joke like Oh, Jack I love Black, Nacho Libre. Man. I really shouldn't, considering I hate Napoleon Dynamite. But I don't know why Nacho Libre just works for me. And his oh, constant dude. flatulence is so funny. Or when he's in the mariachi band. I am singing. Ramses is the best. I, I, I love when he uh, crushes the tortilla chips over the salad and then blows them in her face. I will still say to this day, whenever like uh, there's a gathering or whatever with a whole bunch of chips and dip, I'm like... Did you tell them they were the Lord's chips? <laughs> and See, no one I ever knows that that's from. It makes me sad. <laughs> I I think as quotable as Napoleon Dynamite is, there's only one scene that still gets me if I ever rewatch it. The dance? <sighs> no. Tina, you fat lord, come get your dinner. No. It's when that farmer's trying to shoot his cow at a school bus of kids draws in front of him and he's like darn thing won't shoot oh well cocks it looks at the aims it again a school bus full of children pulls in front and you just hear bang and all the kids scream oh dude that gets me every time are you kidding me i don't know why but child trauma is like my niche <laughs> like <laughs> I gotta scar a child emotionally in a com comedic way, and I am there. I have Absolutely. one. I have one child movie, one kids movie. The rest are not kids movies, but uh, I don't love the movie as a whole. But there's one good joke that they showed in all the trailers, and I'm just going, stand up, applaud yourself. Because you will never write a joke better than that, especially in the Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs franchise with, ah, there's a leak in the boat. They pan over. There's an actual leak, the vegetable sitting shotgun in the car. And I'm going. Uh, okay, look, look, dude. Cloudy, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2 is literally peak dad humor the entire movie. Frogs that, that are actual pads of butter that instead of ribbit say butter like that's but see i will see your leak in the boat moment and raise you when terry cruz because i don't know his character but when terry cruz starts to, to cry in the beginning and goes no get back in there tear. get that back in there coupled with uh, at the end when he does cry and his tear falls on the blueberry and the blueberry grows chest hair <laughs> <laughs> oh that movie is again i agree it's not like by far like my favorite movie of all time or anything like that but it is just a solidly stupid good time and that bro what more do you want i have one that is from not a comedy the rest of the movies i will talk about tonight are from specifically comedies this one i don't know if i'd consider it specifically a comedy even though it has some very good comedic elements it's like, all Wes Anderson stuff has a hint of comedy, but it's never out and out of comedy. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think Wes Anderson's best movie still to this day is The Grand Budapest Hotel. And again, editing and blocking 
can be funny. So when Edward Norton, the head police officer, comes up to Ray Fiennes, the owner of the Grand Budapest Hotel, interrogating him about something, and Ray Fiennes goes, A woman is dead in my lobby, and you think I killed her? And then immediately runs away from the camera while everyone just kind of stares awkwardly before chasing after like five seconds. But the fact that it's still all on camera, he just shotguns it away from the camera is so funny. The timing, the geography is so funny. The fact that everyone just kind of stands there and goes, where's he going? Like, it's so good. Like, Ray finds his comedic abilities, I think, get underappreciated. That scene is like really what most people remember for Grand Budapest and rightly so I will still die laughing every single time I, I appreciate I mean I'm a big Wes Anderson fan I, I personally I Budapest Hotel is not my favorite but I I understand why people like it absolutely um but uh I the only movie I saw is oddly in the same section as you where I have one non quote-unquote comedy uh, it's more of an adventure movie. Um, it involves our boy, Nicolas Cage. Um, Not the bees. N- no, National Treasure 2, when he was pretending to be drunk. <laughs> oh, that's not where uh, I thought you were going with it. Oh, where would you think I was going? I thought you were talking about when they find the entrance in the back of the Mount Rushmore, and so he goes in. <gasps> I'm just kidding. And they're all like... <laughs> Yeah, he like Dude, pulls so the movie much... trap and nothing happens, and they all freak out. <laughs> it's so good. But yes, uh, fake drunk Nicolas Cage in Buckingham <laughs> Palace. I can't even quote it because it's so like specific. But wrong like... about us. Wrong about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pip, pip cheerio. God save the queen. <laughs> Oh, dude, so good. So good. I just, ah, oh. like Nicolas Cage is one of the funniest people on the planet. And even when he's intending to be funny, <laughs> they, they realized that the first National Treasure didn't have a good solid Nicolas Cage freakout. So they needed to put him in the second one. There's some other movie, though, that he's wearing like the exact same outfit, except it's not a family movie. And so, like, whenever I see clips from that, I'm always thinking it's from Book of Secrets. I'm going, Oh no, that's definitely not from that movie. Like it's one where he's like a drug dealer or like a cartel guy. He's somehow connected to the cartel. I'm like, that's not National Treasure, but I kind of wish it was. (laughs) (laughs) Treasure hunting isn't paying the bills. Trying to work from the for the cartel. Riley, looking for Aztec gold. (laughs) Riley, we found a different treasure. We're, 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 we're investing in the meth trade. Gold or drugs? Either way, we're going to Colombia. <laughs> uh, yeah, there it is. There, okay, I got do. six more. How many more you got? I got seven. Perfect. We're doing. We're we've got this down. Right. We are. We are reading each other's mind over there, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I lived, I lived in Tennessee and worked with, with Hicks for too long, man. <laughs> it just happens. Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, yeah, man, let me tell you something. I was telling you the other day. Like, oh, geez, chill out, Boom Hire. <sighs> it's bad. Like, I didn't think those people actually existed, but they do. <laughs> speaking, speaking of redneck. Oh, here we go. One of my favorite annual traditions to watch with my family is Christmas Vacation. And you can't oh, no. get more redneck than Cousin Eddie. But this time, it's not about Cousin Eddie. It's about 
oh i forget what's what the little daughter's name is the 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 one that kind of looks like the feral child from mad max um (laughs) that they're like oh her eyes aren't crossed anymore and i kid you not it's one of my favorite lines in movie history yeah she falls down a well her eyes go cross she gets buck kicked by a mule they go back to normal I don't know. Like, that's just the right <laughs> level of effed up that I'm just going. That ain't right. It's either that or uh, I would join you, Clark, but I got this metal plate in my head that every time the Catherine turned on the microwave, I'd whiz myself and forget who I was. Plus, <laughs> if I comb my hair, just it just don't look right. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dude. See, I, I don't watch that movie very often. So, like... Oh, dude, it brings back memories. It's really funny. Like, uh, there was there's a couple movies that we'll talk about here in a bit. Like, it was really hard to pick one scene that I absolutely love because I just quote some some of these movies. We're getting to the movies like I quote all the time. Um, let's talk about so I the last movie on my list that I don't like, but I love this moment. I find it super funny. Have you ever seen Ted? Yes. Okay was not that big of a fan it's fine uh however the moment that forever gets me and i see clips of it every now and then and it just i can't like not love it is when they're in the courtroom and ted is go doing his little speech about how the court is doing the same thing to him that they do to the homos and he, they're like they're like shut up ted he's like Fine. It sits down, takes out his phone, and just like, like starts playing a game. But you like all you hear is the the Angry Birds noise, and it's super loud. In the oh, dude, it's so funny. Ah, uh, he's just fine. Sits down. I was like, oh no, oh god, it gets me every time. Okay, mainly because my dad sits in the corner sometimes of our of the living room and sits there and plays Angry Birds, and it's so funny to watch. You know who my, what my dad looks like? Like watching him sitting there going, mm-hmm. ah. <laughs> like it's so <laughs> funny to me. It's so great. It's the simple things for Josh. Absolutely, um, simple things in childhood trauma. <laughs> so I had a hard time deciding for this one because I went back and listened to some of our our favorite comedies episodes because I kind of was drawing a blank on some. And I'm going to pick a different moment than I picked in our previous episode. Because in that, when I talked about Tropic Thunder, I was talking mm-hmm. about, you said you're a farmer. I'm a lead farmer, mother F. And he pulls out two big old ARs from out of nowhere underneath his poncho. No, I think my favorite moment, though, besides that for uh, Tropic Thunder, is anything with less grossman tom cruise's character yes. so like this dangerous gorilla army calls his company more or less for a hostage negotiation and he's just like i don't know what kind of pan am america bs you're trying to pull on me but no one screws less go- grossman i will find you and i will massacre you i'm talking scorched earth mother effer hangs up <laughs> can you find out who that was we'll call him back <laughs> like <laughs> Tom Cruise makes Tropic Thunder so good. Whether it's him just freaking the crap out on Bill Hader, his poor assistant, or just screaming on a phone because I don't know if Tom Cruise knew he was supposed to be acting in the movie or not. And he just put on the weight for the role and just kind of was Tom Cruise on the set of Mission Impossible 7. Um, Cringe. Either that 
or one of the best post-credit scenes of all time when you see Tom Cruise, fat Tom Cruise, dancing with the bling and everything of just like it's so much weirder knowing that's not a fat suit like yeah yeah just seeing fat tom cruise dance to oh i forget what it is but i'm just i forget what the song is just tropic thunder's wonderful i'm a dude playing a dude pretending to be another dude like oh good stuff i feel that um let's go with Bruce Almighty, when Bruce takes over the teleprompter. I was about to say, teleprompter scene? Yeah. So I have a weird relationship with with Bruce Almighty in that, like, it's an odd, it's during that odd time in Jim Carrey's career where he's still pretty funny, but they're trying to do Siri-ish stories with him. Like, Bruce Almighty has like some heavy content when you go sit down and think about it. But like at the same time, it's in the same movie as Bruce Almighty. Like Bruce is literally sitting there in a the corner, like making uh, Steve Carell say like, and do some ridiculous things. And it just, it doesn't, it, it's so odd, but it, God. To be fair though, the only thing that Jim Carrey made in that scene was Steve Carell's career. After that, after that scene, like everyone knew who Steve Carell was, because if I remember correctly, that was definitely way before The Office. So like that scene, I feel like people yeah. are like, oh, who's this scene stealer? We should totally give him his own spinoff movie that in no way will backfire and be one of the biggest financial flops of all time in Bruce Almighty. Um, Evan, Evan wasn't bad. No, Evan, Evan, Evan was Almighty. Uh, but I do know it lost them so much money to which oh, I'm yeah. going well, why was Evan Almighty such a big budget to begin with? Like, it's Evan Almighty. You don't need a budget for that. Uh, so I've got four left. One of them is editing. One of them made me cry from laughing. One of them is, my, I'll say for last because it's my favorite. And the other one is my favorite line, spoken line. What should I tackle, Josh? Hit me with the spoken line. Better Off Dead, one of my yes. favorite comedies of all time that 100% could not be made today. The premise of Better Off Dead is a guy played by John Cusack, his girlfriend breaks up with him, and so he's so depressed he wants to kill himself, but none of his ways are successful. So, like, he tries to hang himself, but then he comes to his senses, so he's just like, you know what? I haven't seen Paris yet. I want to keep living. And so as soon as he decides that, his he's trying to hang himself on the back of a door. His mom opens the door and accidentally starts hanging him without even realizing it. Uh, but the moment in particular that I can always quote that just makes me laugh of going, oh, yeah, you definitely couldn't do that today. He's on a bridge over an interstate. He's about to jump into traffic and fall to his death. When his buddy talks him out of it, He's just like, don't worry, there'll be another girl. He's just about to climb back over the fence to come to the normal side. His friend pats him on the back. He falls over the edge and lands in a trash can. He's totally fine. Uh, drives away in the back of the trash truck. They see two guys on the top of a uh, uh, telephone pole. Looking down, he waves to him. It's a shame people be throwing away a perfectly good white boy. Ah. <laughs> I'm like, that's so messed up. Yeah. Oh man. I uh, just I'm like okay. Talk. Let's talk about messed up humor, right? Um, Anchorman is on my list, but Anchorman Two for the only reason is because the line is quoted by 
me and all of my brothers. Uh, Anchorman one's, one is funny. It's fine. Uh, Anchorman two is uh, garbage. It's hot garbage, but it's um, it's got its it's got its singers. Um, Canadian being, national news, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> bats of the chicken or the chicken of the cave and cats of the chicken of the rail yard like oh dude come on okay, you can't say it's complete trash when you somehow were able to convince harrison ford to play a werewolf <laughs> and he plays it completely straight okay you're you're not wrong you're not wrong so how, how did you convince him to do that is my question he was totally down for there's, it there's but didn't so want to come much. back for star wars there's so much stuff that happens in Anchorman 2 that don't like, how did you, so one of my favorite and most quotable lines is, uh, Ron, like after he says, uh, he, I forget how it happens. Cause I haven't seen it in so long, but he, he's like being a hermit out in a lighthouse somewhere and they all go to visit him. And, He's like blind for some reason. I can't remember. I just again haven't seen it forever. All I remember is the scene of when they're like, he's like, Yeah, man, I drank a whole bottle of ketchup thinking it was a bottle of Chianti or something. And they're like, You didn't you didn't notice after like the first gulp? And he's like, How many times do I have to tell you? I'm blind. <laughs> I'm just oh I'm not doing it justice, but there's like just literally five minutes of me like, how would you not notice that like that has nothing to do with you being blind the movie opens with brick's funeral as he as brick is there is there is like i will miss him so much oh, brick dude. you're not dead i'm not i'm not <laughs> ron uh cruise control only regulates speed what <laughs> Like, gosh. Oh, dude. Such Which, a great movie. Honorable mention to four-year-old virgin with the chest waxing scene. <laughs> like, no, I'm good. Thank primarily you. just Nothing because that's another one of those improv of every reaction you see in that movie, in that scene, is 100% legit. So, I'm going to send Josh a gift just so he knows what I'm talking about specifically in this next scene. Um, because what we do in the shadows is one of my favorite yes. comedies of all time and so i already loved it but there's a scene in particular that uh there's a character that they're trying to court to be a new vampire and he catches wind of what's going on so he's running to make his escape and one of the characters teases that he can transform the problem is (laughs) the problem is he wasn't telling the whole truth. He could transform everything but his face. So he turns into a cat with the face of Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords. And he just, in a human voice, not a cat voice, a human voice, meow. And it's just like, what? I was watching that with my roommate in college at the time. We actually had to stop the movie because we were crying laughing so hard that we just are holding our stomachs we fell out of our seats of just like absurdity of what just who thinks of this besides the beautiful taika watiti it's just so bizarre seeing a human cat hybrid going, oh. <laughs> and it's so sudden it's out of nowhere <laughs> like, yeah it's like because you literally just saw the character in regular human form oh, and then you see him as a cat and then <laughs> 
the very next scene, you see a human in his backpack trying to escape and like hug him from behind. Uh, what we do in the shadows is so dumb. There's so many good lines. Um, I'm doing my dark bidding. What are you bidding on? A new computer table. It looks nice. <laughs> or like, he's telling a super, super scary story. And then there was Peter. It's like this big scary vampire just nodding along, just like, Mm -hmm. What we in the shadows, if you have not seen it, I know the show is super popular, but if you haven't seen the movie, oh my god, the movie, hit, still to this day, I will always crack up that specific part, but the whole movie, oh, just makes me die laughing. Uh, comedy, to me, is only as good as its rewatchability. If the jokes are still funny dozens of dozens of times later, then you know it's something special in what we do in the shadows, and the rest of our movies today, I think, stand the test of time because they have such good repeat jokes. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna start this off with spot with Spaceballs. <laughs> yeah, it's so I love. There's so many jokes that have like are still funny to this day. But I think the one that still gets me is the combing the desert joke. Like we've been combing the desert all day. Like and they're like what? And they, can't pan and they got two stormtrooper guys like literally combing the desert with giant combs and they oh. of course have the black guy with the fro pick yes. Man, we ate bam crap, crap. <laughs> oh dude it's so good i will say my favorite line from that is either that or i'm a mog a what i'm a mog half man half dog i'm my own best friend <laughs> like so smart. Dumb. <laughs> uh, Mel Brooks movies in general always hit me in the funny bone. And I just, Spaceballs, definitely not like my favorite Bell, Mel Brooks movie, but golly, is. <laughs> this is yogurt. <laughs> oh, the, it's just plain uh, yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> All right. How many more you got? Uh, I have three. Okay. Uh, I have at least two that i know you won't say uh, <laughs> um so i gotta talk about hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy it's uh, yep, obviously definitely won't it's, have that one yeah that, obviously it's like it's always on my list of everything but i have i have i'm gonna have to start getting hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy jar here eventually <laughs> um but there's a scene in which they go to the, the planet of the vogons and they have to cross this field to get to the city and one of them has an idea and he gets smacked in the face by something from the from the ground and they're like Whoa, wait what happened and somebody goes i think smack nobody have any any thoughts of what no uh, presumptions no plans no ideas and they'll just stand there and then they all get smacked and then they have to, have to run across the field getting smacked it's ah oh, dude it's that or or uh uh Towards the end, when Ford goes chases after the Vogons, bandishing his towel, whirling it around, and they all go these big old aliens with these giant laser guns on their chest go, Oh, he's got a towel! and run off in fear. Like, oh, dude, that movie gets me on so many stupid levels. Yeah, that, that's the definition of a Josh movie. <laughs> it really is. Stupid, weird sci-fi with, like, the best odd dry pan humor. Uh, what else? Um, you know me. The, this one for, for me was the hardest to pick a, one moment from. Uh, Hot Rod with Andy si uh, Sandberg is... Andy Seinfeld. <laughs> Andy Seinfeld um, is... Easily one of my favorite comedies of all time. 
like from the good 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 night denise line to uh the i think it's like a two minutes of him rolling down a hill um or just absolutely eating it on the first ramp like there's so much to good but i i think my favorite thing that happens is is the two minute long scene of him like he's having this like happy like i'm gonna go to my happy place and he like pans to him on top of a mountain like with an 80s hair metal band song going off in the background and like fog everywhere and he's like flipping and doing at one point he's doing the the uh what is that gymnast thing where it's like a block and he's like twirling around it oh isn't that like a saddle horse or something saddle horse or something like that he's like doing that like crazy doing flips and then trips over a log and literally falls down it's like in hot uh what is it uh kung fury when the baby rolls down the hill for like a solid minute straight like it's just Oh, there's so many times like that man should be dead, but he isn't. And it, I, I just, it goes on for too long. And that's what makes it so, so stinking funny. Uh, pummel horse. That's what pummel it is. Horse. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's a Charlie horse. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll say my favorite for last, obviously, but we can't not talk about funniest movie moments without talking about this well i can't say the citizen kane of movies of comedies because josh doesn't like citizen kane yeah neither do i um but like the mount on the mount rushmore of all-time comedies with airplane and everything else monty python and the holy grail yeah monty python and the holy grail again shows you editing itself can be ridiculously funny case in point my favorite moment from monty python and the holy grail is when there's the two guards bored out of their minds standing in front of the castle one is eating a dandelion it looks like yeah and then all of a sudden you see a man far off in the distance cut back to the two guards cut back to the two guards cut back now the man is further away again like he's not actually progressively getting closer he went back so he's further away now cut back to the guards ha ha he like teleports out of nowhere the guy just stabs one of the guards the other guard Hey, doesn't change after <laughs> as he runs up the tower. Like this great uh, editing man. trick of like, it's a solid 30 seconds to a minute of just build up, build up, build up. And you, you can watch the movie a thousand times and still the timing will always take you by surprise. Cause you're like, okay. Okay. It's like how family, family guy will sometimes overstay their welcome by dragging out a joke for too long on purpose yeah like oh, this they so probably good. learned it from this of just dragging out the joke of like okay well get on with it time <laughs> which is which is exactly like that is totally something that they they joke about the entire series like any monty python uh python skit but at some point will be like go on get on with it like oh it's good stuff monty python and the, and the holy girl is definitely like oh it is to me on my my mount rushmore of comedies um the fact that you have this grand wizard named tim um you have this giant monster that chases them and then the animator has a heart attack and dies so they get away like that's like it's just oh dude and the way that okay the absolute 
balls on these men to end their movie suddenly and have what is it like 30 45 minutes of black screen with no credits at the end like bro <laughs> it's so funny and like if you want to talk about a movie that's made on a shoestring budget like that is one the one of the best they jokes genuinely of ran the out of money yeah, like one of the best j- jokes in the film is because they couldn't afford horses, so they just had people doing coconuts. Oh, it's just it's such a funny movie. It's I can understand it's not for everybody. In which case, you don't need those people in your life. Exactly. But like, gosh, dude, like Monty Python Fly- Flying Circus, uh, Life of Brian, like oh, Monty Python, no misses. Message for you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I will avenge you. I shall think I'll make a recovery. I will go I on will, and carry on your legacy. <laughs> I, I think I'm gonna be fine. <laughs> so you have what? One or two left? I got one more. One I more. Know what it, I already, I already know what, what it is. For we'll, we'll both have this. Is There's it the no same moment, or is it the I same don't, movie? I don't think it'll be. I know it's the same movie. Okay, so obviously we're talking about the greatest comedy ever made. Robin Hood Men in Tights. I almost, talked, obviously, to, I almost obviously. talked about this earlier when Josh was talking about Spaceballs. He was like, I don't think Mel Brooks is my favorite. Uh, Spaceballs is my favorite Mel Brooks movie. I'm like, it never will be because Men in Tights exists. Because Men in Tights yeah. is such a good Robin Hood parody, but also it's just such a good comedy. There's so many good lines. But uh, Josh, I'll be curious. I don't think we will have the same moment, but what's your Men in Tights moment? Because I mean, it, it's hard to have the same moment. There's so many good mo- good moments. Um while the 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 running gag of a chew bless you is is fantastic i personally love the uh when blinking catches the arrow yes like, that's mine yes it is <laughs> how did you do that oh, i heard it a mile away good job blinking what, what? who's talking <laughs> oh they've opened a salad oh. bar oh my gosh but like that movie in general, they're like, hold on, guys, give me two seconds. Leans door down and starts pumping up his his air for his his air Jordans. Oh, all right, let's go. But also, like, I'm a fan of when movies can cleverly break the fourth wall and not just you know Deadpool. Deadpool's creative at times, whereas other times they're just like, mm-hmm. let me just look at the camera, whether it makes sense or not. But Men in Tights also, I think, has one of my favorite like breaking the fourth wall moments of like lose. Wait a minute, I'm not supposed to lose. Break out the script and <laughs> yes! everyone breaks out the script. I get another shot. Let's give him the chop. Oh! But, just, but yeah, every time I will always die laughing. It's one of my favorite moments is when the Clint Eastwood wannabe, which there's been a couple times that I've watched it going, is that Clint Eastwood? It's not. But boy, it looks like him from certain angles. Um, goes to kill Robin. He's about to shoot him. And Blink and just snatches it out of the air. Considering he's done nothing the whole movie. It just works. Um, well, I almost brought this moment up earlier when you were talking about the, the girl that gets kicked in the head and her vision changes. But like when Blinken falls off, the falls see. off the tower. And he's like, I can see. And it falls on him. Oh, never mind. Okay. Uh, while the catching the arrows might will always be a fair moment a very very close second of just randomness that will always get a visceral reaction out of me and bust up laughing is uh when they're about to start the wedding hello abbott good morrow hello abbott good morrow morrow. 
hate that guy. And then he keeps walking and he hits the camera. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, dude, I just, I am a sneeze, son of a chew. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you. What? Oh, man. I just, there's. <laughs> I need to go back and watch it. I have not watched it this year there... yet. I'm, I might go back, like, I might go watch at least something, uh, one of these movies tonight, because, gosh dang, I just, there, the, comedy is almost a lost art, the, I, you know what, I'm not going to be that guy, comedy's not a lost art. No, days. Lord Miller is still crushing it with comedies. Yeah, absolutely, well, Mel Brooks apparently is going to make Taika Waititi? Yeah, Taika Waititi, bro, so funny. Taika like, Waititi does the best funny. sad comedies ever. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Jojo Rabbit. Even, even James uh, James Gunn has some really good moments as well. Peacemaker. Peacemaker. And there's a lot of stuff in Suicide Squad that's cool. very funny. Um, I will, Did... I'll never go as far to say his comedy's dead, but I think it's very interesting to see how comedy has changed from like from the time of Mel Brooks and and um, and like Caddyshack and stuff like that into stuff like Bridesmaids, which is pretty funny on its own but i i just not it's not it doesn't hit for me and like stuff like um the heat with uh oh geez i just lost their names female chris farley melissa mccarthy yeah and uh sandra bullock that's so bad that i said that i feel kind of bad you're not but, wrong uh, though i'm not wrong though um into like like that kind of comedy is fantastic it's just very interesting to see how things have how have changed and it that is in part why i am interested in a mel brooks movie being made in today's film time it's be very very interesting how i very like how what he's going to be able to get away with and what he'll what all he'll tackle because this is the same man that did blazing saddles which with is like, richard pryor with Richard Pryor, and just like, oh, I would even and, and and Young Frankenstein, which is I Young Frankenstein almost made this list too because gosh, that running gag of like of what hump is the funniest thing on the face of the planet for me. Nice but, yeah. knockers. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> or wait, wasn't wasn't your hump on the other side? What hump? Damn your eyes! Too late. <laughs> Oh man, oh, I love Young Frankenstein too much. Well, what are your guys' favorite movie moments? Not specifically comedies, but specific jokes or gags in movies that will always make you crack up and make you just it brightens your day, makes you laugh just a little bit, no matter how many times you watch it. Let us know in the comments. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google google podcast or youtube and if you haven't already subscribe to us on youtube help us get to 700 subscribers that's our goal before the end of the year and as always stay sharp movie guys and gals